0: Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us today for the latest episode of IFA Talk, which is IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, uh, where we talk to people who matter about things that matter in the world of financial services. And I'm Sue Whitbride, and I'm an editor at IFA Magazine Today, I'm joined by my co-host, who is IFA Talks technical editor, Brandon Russell. Uh, Brandon always makes sure that everything runs smoothly and carries out all the post-production edits. And today, he's taking Betts' place as co-host with me. Thanks, Sue. It's great to be back on the podcast. And today, we're very pleased to welcome Paul Fidel to the show. Paul is the Senior Business Development Manager at Prudential. And in this week's episode, he'll be telling us and our listeners all about the successful proof and range. Thanks so much for coming on on the podcast, Paul. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, great to
1: talk to you. Good morning, everybody.
0: (laughs) So, Paul, Sue here. We're we're talking smoothed investment today, aren't we? And I I know that Prue has recently, Prue Fund, I should say, has recently celebrated its 18th birthday. And Blimey, a lot has happened, hasn't it, since it was launched back in 2004. But anyway, can we start with some Prue Fund greatest hits? Uh, What do you see as the, the biggest achievements to date?
1: Yeah, well, thanks very much. Um, Yeah, an interesting uh, 18 years. Um, I mean, I actually joined Prue just uh, early 2005. So technically, I missed its launch date. So I can't claim the credit for having invented it. But I have sort of lived (coughs) and breathed it for pretty much most of my uh, my prudential career. Um, And uh, it's, it's, done its job I mean credit to the guys that that came up with the idea in the first place because um, you know it has delivered uh, for customers um, in terms of what it was expected to do which is to deliver that return but with a a sort of nice smooth journey uh, between start and finish so um, you know fair play to them Um, that they got it right straight out of the box because we haven't really changed it too much over the 18 years you know fundamentally it's still the same product it was when we launched it in November 2004.
0: Well, that's
1: quite reassuring for advisors too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the mechanics of the smoothing is the key thing, and that hasn't changed fundamentally at all. Mm. Um, you know, it still operates in exactly the same way with an expected growth rate, which moves the smooth price, the value the customer sees. It moves it forward on a daily basis, effectively, um, and then some smoothing parameters around it. And that fundamentally is exactly the same as it was. Um, from November 2004 so yeah reassurance because you know the last thing you want is things constantly reinventing themselves constantly changing um sometimes you have to do that you know necessity thing isn't working isn't doing what it's supposed to do but you know reassuringly proof has um done exactly what it was supposed to do
0: I guess as the old adage says if it ain't broke don't fix it
1: true enough True enough. I mean, it does mean stop, you know, stand still um, and don't make any sort of sort of evolutionary changes, but no revolution, please. You know, let's have some evolutionary changes just to keep it fresh and keep it modern and so on and so forth. So we've introduced lots of new versions of proof along the way, um, sort of different um, different flavours, if you like, in terms of risk profile. So the original version was a single fund in its own right. Now we're sort of knocking on the door of 70, 80 different variants across different tax wrappers and different, um, as I say, risk flavours, if you like. Mm, Because
0: there's the New Planet range as well. The The New Planet
1: range, yeah, that came out last year. So that's the um, ESG sustainable version of Prue Fund. Um, So five different funds, um, one to five. Higher level of risk at, at five, uh, lower at, uh, at one, um, and doing okay. Um, you know, it been very challenging markets for all sustainable funds, to be fair, uh, over the last 12 months or so. Um, but um, the smoothing mechanism definitely proving it's, its worth and protecting investors from sort of the worst of short term market volatility. So just moving on then, Paul, Proof Fund follows
0: a long term investment strategy. What are the benefits of following this approach?
1: Um, well, I guess um, at a sort of really simplistic level, um, long term gives you patience um, because you're focused on that long term. You're not sort of getting obsessed with short term stuff, which may be sort of behaviorally driven. It's not necessarily fundamentals that move markets. Sometimes it's investor behavior, which can be irrational. If you can look through that, then often that can put you in a better position. It's a sort of Warren Buffett type scenario, isn't it? You know, my favorite holding period is forever, you know, buy something good just hold it and 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 reap the benefits of the income stream or whatever it is so that's that's a very simplistic way but the long-term approach sort of sits at the core of our um, investment uh, process. Um, it's a key differentiator for us. I mean, I think many of the multi-asset funds that are out there do have more of a sort of short-term focus, trying to, you know, chase the tail of, of things and, and uh, capture those returns, avoid those losses. You know, very much in the in the in the here and now. Um, so we think it's a differentiator. But as I say, it does form part of our core investment process, um, and that. Imp- That process itself, I mean, is focused on, um, you know, diversification and the the benefits that can bring. And that's true diversification and not just chucking a whole load of things together and hoping that it plays out for you. You know, actually putting some serious work into understanding the relationship between different asset classes. Um, We have this belief that, you know, there is one past because you can always look back and you can say, well, that's what happened. But looking forwards, there can be multiple different ways that can play out. So we put a huge amount of work into forward looking, long term modeling, stochastic modeling, if you like, trying to understand the different scenarios, how they might play out and and which ones would be the more uh, likely in our opinion. Um, And then alongside that, we do regular um, asset allocation um, reviews. So we're constantly looking at the strategic asset allocation is the shape of the funds the best, the optimum that it can be based on those forward-looking views and then of course bringing it back to Pru fund in particular that long-term approach directly feeds into the expected growth rates which is a key component of the smoothing mechanism. So the EGR the expected growth rate is the thing that moves the customer's value forward on that day-by-day basis and that is essentially the, the, the weighted average if you like of those long-term views that we have. So each asset class has a an expectation of return, you know, if you had equities at, say, 6% and bonds at 4 and you had 50-50%, you know, 50-50 in a portfolio, your EGR would be 5 in that scenario, roughly speaking. So, those long, that long-term view that we have feeds directly into the EGR process. It's the, it's the weighted average of those expectations. So, it's a key thing for us. And, and as I say, that ultimately, it gives you patience because you can, to a certain extent, afford to wait for things to play out now it doesn't mean you can't make changes in the short term but it just means your focus is on that longer term rather than sort of being obsessed about what's happening today it's more about where it's going to be in a year five years ten years time
0: Mm. and I guess that ties in with the the underlying investor the client as well the way that the advisor explains it to the client is very much as a long-term investment, isn't it? And so having a long-term investment strategy as part of that just seems to make sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's sort of a common-held thought, isn't it, that, that equity-based or risk-based investing is for the long-term. You know, yeah. we, we're talking sort of five years plus. Yeah. Um, and yet we then see situations where it's being used in sort of three months or six months type scenarios. Mm. You know, that, that to a certain way is speculation, not investment. For me, true investment is about that five years plus. Um, and you're absolutely right. The customer has often got long term objectives uh-huh. that they're trying to meet. So, you know, if uh-huh. I've got an objective which is retirement and I'm a 30 year old, you know, it's, it's 30, 35 years down the line. Um, you know, shouldn't I be thinking about that time frame as opposed to what's happening in this year for example you know when we've got six weeks left of the year or whatever it is um so yeah it's 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 an interesting balance in terms of how you match up the investors investors objectives their time frame and then the investments you're using
0: you are listening to IFA talk IFA magazine's weekly podcast subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. And I believe that there's now something like 58 billion currently invested in just improve fund growth alone and so I wonder whether you think there are particular benefits that to the fund's size and scale which clearly exist. Um, whether that comes through for advisors clients within their portfolios.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It does. I mean, uh, 58 billion is, I think, the uh, sort of current figure for the total amount invested in proof fund. Uh, proof fund growth forms about 50% of that total. Uh, right. yeah, um, okay. The rest comes from all the other different variants. And yeah. that itself also then forms part of the, the big with profit fund uh, uh, prudential, which is right. some sort of north of 125 billion. So, you know, we're talking, we're talking, you know, lots of noughts after the uh, yeah. after the, the numbers. Um, yeah. And I guess the uh, the key advantage advantage that that brings, you know, size and scale, because some people view it as, well, that makes you clunky, it means you can't change things, you can't move very quickly, you're not very tactical. But actually, I think what it does bring is opportunity. Um, And it's back to that diversification point, you know, particularly, Mm. there are a lot of asset classes, which you might describe as sort of niche asset classes, that doesn't mean they're small, it just means they're not available to the wide Uh, market, because you need size and scale to access them. I'll give you an example. Um, Asian real estate, for example, typically comes in lot sizes of $500 million. Now, you know, that means it's just off the radar for most multi asset funds to access. And yet that is quite an interesting and useful diversifier to a portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, accessing things like that simply wouldn't be possible without size and Mm -hmm. scale. And you get this across all sorts of asset classes. I mean, we invest quite heavily in things like infrastructure, um, and a lot of private assets. And again, they're sort of often quite lumpy in nature, um, not evenly spread out over time. So you need, you know, size, scale, flexibility, and then back to that long-term approach because you need that that sort of patience to wait for these things to either come on board or or generate the returns through. But what they all do is uh, give you that greater level of diversification. You know, there's an awful lot of very plain vanilla equity bond portfolios Um, and I think you know it's pretty well known by most advisors that you know a lot of those have really struggled this year because those two asset classes are actually quite highly correlated at the moment yeah they're behaving exactly the same as each other which isn't normal but it it impacts upon funds this year so that greater diversification is a very useful thing to have but it's actually quite a difficult thing to achieve if you don't have to things that we have on our side, the size, the scale, the long-term nature, the flexibility, so on and so forth. So yeah. it's, a, it's a crucial aspect aspect of it.
0: No, no, you can see that. That comes through loud and clear. And as you say, the old traditional 60-40 asset allocation strategy this year has really struggled, hasn't it? So it, having-
1: It has, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: and it's you know it is it is quite challenging for for managers in terms of you know how can they how can they break out of that? Um, yeah. You know, you you know first you have to make that decision to sort of cut and run, um, you know, and, and and sort of cash in your chips and, and move somewhere else. But it's then how do you access those opportunities? Sure. And there are there are ways and means of doing it. The best ways generally is to go directly into them, and that's often not possible if you don't have the uh, uh, the scale. In which type of client scenarios,
0: then, Paul, are advisors recommending the Proofund range?
1: Um, well, we're finding them using it in a variety of ways, um, you know, pretty much across all the sort of financial planning situations. Um, I mean, over the years, when we first launched Proofund, we launched it as a, an onshore bond only. That was a single version of the fund uh, and a single tax wrapper. Um, And that existed for sort of four or five years. And then we started introducing uh, gross of tax versions, um, because in an onshore bond, that's effectively net of basic rate tax. We started launching gross of tax versions for pensions, for offshore bonds. And over the years, we then extended that into things like ISIS. So now, you know, we have tax wrappers across most of the major tax wrappers that you could think of. And we see it being used in a wide variety of scenarios. Um, I mean, most recently, we've also started adding it onto our own platform, um, which gives Mm -hmm. advisors the sort of functionality they're seeking. Um, But we see everything from, you know, regular contributions into an ISA or a pension, lump sum investments, uh, sort of tax planning through the use of trusts, um, a whole range of different things. Um, And I guess where we're seeing it used is where somebody is sort of trying to wrestle that conundrum um, and advisors will sort of understand this in terms of, you know, the, effectively, there's there's three types of risk involved with a, with a client. One is the amount of risk they need to take to achieve their investment objectives, whatever that may be. Um, Then you've got, how they feel about the risk, which is their attitude to it. Um, And then you've got their capacity for loss, um, which is how much risk they can afford to take. Now, in an ideal world, all those three things are in perfect harmony. The amount of risk you need to take is commensurate with how you feel about risk and how much risk you can afford to take. In practice, there's often a disconnect. And that requires some adjustment somewhere along the lines. Um, It might mean you need to sort of tweak their objectives down or or whatever. Um, You've got to find a way of harmonizing those things. An alternative, perhaps, and I'm not saying this is some sort of universal panacea, the answer to everybody's investment problems, because it isn't. But what Proofund gives you is a vehicle that can perhaps give you access to risk assets to achieve the return you're seeking for your customer but without necessarily having the same journey risk, the sort of attitude, the behavioural aspect of it that you would normally associate with a multi-asset fund delivering a similar level of return, but without smoothing. Mm -hmm. So it's that sort of, you know, it's a mechanism that can be used to try and sort of bring those three things into into a degree of harmony. As I say, not an answer to everything, but we're often seeing it being used in those situations. And I mean, one big area we see it used, Uh, Quite a lot is in drawdown, for example. Um, And I think it's pretty well known now about sequence of return risk. And, you know, with the the general consensus, if if you're taking money out of a a pot, an investment pot um, to provide an income or whatever you you require, then the last thing you want is too much volatility in that underlying pot. Um, You know, because SOD's law says you're going to be trying to cash in your uh, your units and take your income at a time when it's depressed in value. So if you can find a way of dampening down that volatility, but still being able to take a decent level of income from it, then that actually gives you quite a, a, a neat solution. And again, that's the sort of thing that Profund can can help with. So we see it used standalone. We see it used as core and satellite where somebody might use it as part of a wider portfolio, you know. All ways that people want to use are perfectly acceptable to us. We're quite happy, whichever way. Um, And I think it can fulfil a role. But I'll repeat what I've said already, which is it's not a universal panacea. We're not claiming it is. um, But I think it can do a a job for uh, quite a wide variety of different clients.
0: And I guess in today's markets where we've got inflation, we've got volatility, then that, the benefits of smoothing, which maybe gives gives underlying clients a bit of peace of mind and maybe helps them to stay the course and
1: not panic. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. Uh, you know, it, it is addressing that behavioural side of things because the reality is that smoothing isn't actually going to necessarily improve your return. It's not going to no. add pound, shillings and pence in old not. money to your yep. investment return. You know, the investment return is a function of the underlying investment fund. Yeah. So, you know, one point that I often make is that you, you can't take a, a poor fund add smoothing to it and suddenly turn it into something magic you know you can't turn lead into into gold or whatever um you need a, a good strong fund underneath and then you add smoothing to it and what you end up with is is something that's actually you know quite interesting but you do need that strong underpin so you know fundamentally to deal with things like inflation you need exposure to real assets You know, things like property, things like infrastructure, Um, you know, those give a degree of inflation protection. And that's what we have within the widely diversified fund that sits underneath proof fund. What the smoothing mechanism does. As you correctly say, is is deal with that emotional side. That you know everything looks like it's going to hell in a handcart. You know I want to get out of this. Um. And you know what we often do is we sell at the wrong point and we buy at the wrong point and so on and so forth. It's that emotional roller coaster, isn't it? And we panic at every juncture. And, and and you know yeah. hey i've been in the industry a long time and i get that occasionally you know you think <laughs> what have i done you know yeah. and then you have yeah. to sort of go back to your your, yeah. your principles and think right actually i've done this for the right reasons <laughs> um but yeah we all we all have those moments and you know maybe if if smoothing can calm the nerves a bit give you a you know, a sleep at night moment, let's call it that, then, you know, in in, in certain respects, it's done its job. So Paul,
0: um, we've come to our last question. And it's one that we ask all our podcast guests, which is, if you had the power to change one thing in financial services, and I know you've had a very long career in financial services.
1: (laughs) Thank you. So
0: it'd be interesting to hear what you've got to say on this. I wonder what would that one thing be?
1: Do you know what mine would be very simple? I, I think this industry, and this is something I, you know, I, I, I picked up very early on because it took me ages to get my head around it, and it's not gone away in forty odd years. Which is, we are obsessed with jargon. Um, we oh. don't talk in plain English. Yeah. You know, I think we do it because we, it, you know, maybe it makes us sound clever. I don't know. You know, or when I'm sure we're not doing it to deliberately confuse people, but we do use a lot of jargon. And you know, if I could go back. 40 odd years, you know, maybe I'd say, right, let's actually talk plain English um, and, you know, put documentation in plain English. The customers have a half a chance of understanding some of it because terms and conditions for most investments are horrendous. So jargon, there you go. I'd get rid of the jargon.
0: Love it. Well, I'd get it. I'd vote for that as well. So thank you very much.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, thank you, Paul, for coming. On no the pleasure.
1: Podcast. Thank you. Thank it's you for been uh,
0: good to have a conversation, and it certainly is a tough time for investors. And and I, I loved what you said right at the very start, really, that when we're talking about crew Fund and it's and its greatest hits, that you said it's done its job and it's delivered to customers. And you can't say any more than that, can you?
1: No, no, I don't think so. No,
0: so let's just hope it keeps doing what it's doing, what it says on the tin, and uh, and is to the next eighteen years and beyond. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast and value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.